Good evening. My name is Sue S. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater, abstinent by a power greater than myself, certainly not by the power of Sue. Um, tonight is not a good night for me. I'm just not feeling right, and I'm not quite sure why. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, I'm putting that out there because usually I come on and tell my story, and um, and I'm thinking tonight that I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk about what do I do when things aren't going my way. And there's nothing that I can put my finger on that's wrong. Um, I'm just, I'm tired. I didn't get enough sleep last night. And um, I'm just tired, physically tired. And we say not to get too angry, lonely, halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And um, so what do I do? Well, I said a prayer. Um, I haven't called my sponsor yet. Um, I've taken this evening to just relax, um, to do some quiet time, kind of like a meditation. Um, And my first impulse was, well, I'll have something to eat. But I didn't eat anything because I know from being abstinent that eating is not going to make me feel better. Eating is only going to make me feel worse. Um, And that's what comes when you've been abstinent for a while. The knowledge that eating really doesn't make you feel better. Eating only makes me feel worse, at least for me. Um, And um, that really is a gift of the program. Because days gone by, I wouldn't have even thought about it. I would have just had something to eat and say, well, that should make me feel better. Because that's what always worked in the past. Whether it did or not um, is up for debate, but I always thought that food made everything feel better. And when I stopped thinking that food was the solution and started thinking that food was the problem, then I could become abstinent. The realization that food was the problem, not the answer. And that didn't come upon me easy. Um, I was born a compulsive overeater. My mother used to joke that I was born at 11 o'clock in the morning so I wouldn't miss lunch. Um, And some of my first earliest memories are food memories. Um, But it doesn't matter. Um, I am a compulsive overeater. I have a few other addictions because I can... switch seats on the Titanic very easily because I have the disease. I have the disease of compulsive thinking. And I have a hole in the center of my stomach or the center of my being that I have tried for years to fill up with all sorts of stuff. And what it really and truly was, I found in the end, is a God-sized hole. And if I keep my higher power in that God-sized hole, then I stop looking for other things to fill it up with. Um, and I tried a lot of things to fill up that God-sized hole. But food was my original drug of choice. It was the first to come, and it was the last to leave so far. Um, and um, one day at a time, if I do a, a few simple um, steps, um, I have a shot 
at not picking up food today. And those shots, those things that I have to do aren't very difficult, but sometimes I just don't want to do them. I'm human. I'm not any high and mighty, you know, thing out there that is just, you know, relieved of all my problems and situations. And sometimes I just don't want to do them. I do them anyhow. Because I know in the long run, they'll make me feel better. I've been a little remiss about sending my food to my sponsor. I know what I'm going to eat when I get up in the morning. I have a plan in my head. But being in my head is sometimes a bad place to be. So I need to write it down and send it to my sponsor. I heard on one of these meetings, on this 100 pounds meeting as a matter of fact, that food is my drug of choice. Somebody else should know what I'm eating. And that made a lot of sense to me. I started to send my food to my sponsor. And it works. If I keep sending my food to my sponsor, I have a shot at losing some more weight. Um, To get down to the particulars, I am a relapse survivor. I originally came into program in the late 1990s from um, beverage program because I started there. And um, I lost 100 pounds right away. I came in weighing 288 pounds. I got down to 180 pounds, didn't recognize myself, and went out again to do more research because I wasn't, I lost the weight so quickly that my head didn't have time to adjust to the new body. And I got scared. And um, I thought that I could do it on my own. I thought that I had a program, a, a food plan, and I thought I had a fellowship. And I didn't understand. I hadn't done all 12 steps, and I thought that's all I needed. And I thought the big I am could do it by myself. So I went out to do more research, and I came back seven years later, having regained not just 100 pounds I had lost, but 160 pounds. and um, I crawled back into these rooms because I could no longer walk without severe chest pain, shortness of breath, and back pain. So in 2010, in November of 2010, I was once again in a psychiatric day treatment program, and um, my goal of the day was to go to an OA meeting. And this time it stuck. And this time I realized that I needed to work all 12 steps not just the first couple, not just the ones I picked and choose and thought I could get away with, but all 12 steps. And this time, I have a program of recovery that I follow. Um, So today, as I said, when I'm not feeling so great, I still did my program of recovery. Um, And um, I'll get through this evening. I had an obligation to speak tonight. Um, That got me to a meeting, which is probably a good place for me to be. And um, one day at a time. And I really do live this program one day at a time. I can do anything for 24 hours that would appall me if I thought I had to do it for a lifetime. I live one day at a time. It doesn't mean that I haven't been through situations. my baby sister, um, 
My baby sister was the youngest of all the 12 cousins, um, and she developed breast cancer. She was not great about following up with her physician, and as a result, she wound up with, um, it returned with a, with a real, um, um, I'm trying to think of the word I want, but it really returned with a, with, and it was very aggressive when it returned, and um, I was able to take care of her. Um, before, as we were getting, she was on at home hospice, but we had to put her inpatient hospice because she wouldn't take the medicines for the pain and for the anxiety. And so they put her on IV medicines in the hospice and she died very peaceably. And I was able to help take care of her in her dying days. And I maintained my abstinence because I learned that I could reach out and ask others for help. And I needed help to get through those days, both from people in program and the profession. One of the things I've learned from this program is that I don't need to know all the answers. I used to think that if I didn't know the answers, I was stupid. What I found is that if I don't know an answer, I can ask a question and find out the answer. Not that I'm stupid, it's just that I just don't know the answers to a particular question. And it's okay. Um, I thought when I was out there or before I came into program that I was stupid, that I was lower than the dirt on the ground, and that was not that nobody liked me. And what I found when I came into program is that first of all, I'm not stupid, that God doesn't make garbage garbage that I'm not a mistake just because I make mistakes and that um, people do tend to like me. Um, I've learned to have a voice. People, I can speak out for the things I believe are right. And people will listen to me when I speak. And that was a real revelation to me um, because I thought nobody cared what my opinion was. My opinion wasn't worth anything, and um, who cares what I thought? And I found out that people really do care, and that it's okay for me to express an opinion and have an opinion. Um, and feelings, I grew up thinking that grown-ups um, outgrew their feelings, and I couldn't understand all these weird feelings I was having. And after years of therapy I, and program, um, I've discovered that feelings aren't facts, and I don't have to be ruled by my feelings, but they're just a normal part of being human. And I am part of the human race. So um, I'm not sure where I'm going with all this tonight. As I said, I didn't really plan it out, and I just decided not to really tell the story of my life, just some things that I've learned through program. So I think I'm going to pause there and um, allow people to share tonight. My name is Sue S. I'm on the East Coast. My phone number is 516-721-0816. Again, that's 516-721-0816. You can call, text me, and I have WhatsApp for international calls. 
Um, I do do a lot of service. I do service past the above the group level. Um, I do service on the intergroup. Um, I do service on the region level, and I've had the immense pleasure of being able to do service on the World Service Business Conference level. Um, And um, they are all wonderful places to be. I know some people say they don't like business meetings, but business meetings on the upper levels are very well managed. um, And um, I enjoy them. Um, I guess it has to be somebody who enjoys them to get them done. And I enjoy doing service for OA because I need OA to exist. Because for those seven years that I was out there regaining all my weight and then some, um, I was still seeing a therapist. I was still seeing a psychiatrist. And they couldn't cure me. Only the the Fellowship of OBEers Anonymous was able to bring me back to a life of sane and useful, sane and, sane and, um, there's another word, and I'm missing it, it's in the big book, but I was able to come back and have a life of sane usefulness to my fellow man. I do sponsor. If you're interested in, if you need a sponsor, you can always welcome to call me and we'll talk about it. Um, I sponsor people individually. I don't just pick one way to sponsor because I think people are individuals and have individual needs. And um, with that, I think I'll pass. Again, my name is Sue S. My phone number is 516-721-0816. And that's all for me tonight. Thank you.